Hello, everybody. We're a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right. We're the podcast that explores the show The Simpsons from season 11 and beyond. Why 11 and beyond, you ask? Well, we think that there are 137 other podcasts that explored the Golden Age, seasons 1 through 10. And we want to find if there's good, bad, or ugly in the seasons beyond that. I am Half an Annoyed Grunt Boy Steve, and with me, as always, is... Half an Annoyed Grunt Boy Craig. And don't forget, 135 of those Simpsons podcasts are all from Australia. This is true. Good day, mate. Oh, you're talking to me? Uh, I was just talking to mates in general. I like mates. I, I enjoy mating. Uh, Craig, how you been doing? Well, as you know, I live here in Washington State. Just got back from Seattle, and uh, I'm not feeling too great. Oh, really? What's and going on? I got a fever and a, <coughs> uh, a, little, a little cough and uh, shortness of breath, but I think, I think I'll I think I'll be fine. Oh, I I hope so. Uh, what what did you do? Well, I, I had a connecting flight. I was from China, then to Seattle, and I visited some uh, some people, some old folks' homes. You know, and we just like to spit on each other as as you do in old folks' homes. Of course. And uh, I keep forgetting to wash my hands, and I keep touching my face. So yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Just <sighs> yeah, I'll be okay. Um, is this coronavirus joke over? I think so. Not the joke of this virus, but our stupid joke. I, I think yeah. It's, uh, I right. think the actual disease is going to go for a long time. We're all probably going to die from it. Well, if not for the uh, asteroid that I saw on Twitter, everyone's freaking out about that's going to hit us on April 29th. That's not going to hit us. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'd rather die from an asteroid than a, a virus. Well, it's let's quicker just... and yeah, more fun. Let, let's just hope it lands. Ground Zero is the Portland metropolitan area. That way we won't feel a thing. That's right. It'll just be quick and easy. And you guys can all just unsubscribe. We'll keep subscribing. Yeah. Podcasts might exist in the afterlife. We don't know. That's true. But to think about it, if you get to go to the pearly gates of heaven and like you could do whatever you want, would you really say like, I want to keep doing a podcast? No, I'd want a <laughs> network show on IFC. <laughs> Why IFC? Because it's like always on, but it's slightly off. So you're in heaven and you want to be on IFC. You could be on any network in heaven. I think heaven would have different networks, Steve. Oh, OK. So I could be like on AMC. No, I think it's just. HTV, not HGTV, just HTV. Oh, Heaven TV. Yeah, yeah. They need some better PR up there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, probably. But they do have MTV3. Is that the one that plays music? Yeah, they can't get the other two because they don't care. We don't need it. That's right. I don't need to and... see Teen Stepmom <laughs> in Heaven. But you know what they do have? Disney Plus Plus. Oh, what's that? It's the same as Disney Plus, but you get to see Mandalorian before it airs. Ooh, season two already streaming. Oh, season six, Steve. Se wow. Up to season six. But they still have seasons 31 and beyond of The Simpsons, just one through 30. Yeah, that's fair. They try. And, and the aspect ratio is actually even worse. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's mostly just Flanders. Huh, that yeah. seems about right. And uh, they added God's fingers to be only four. Because it's the truth. All right, I think we're done with this joke, too. Alrighty, it's fun that we announce when we're done with our jokes. It makes it easier for our fans to know when to stop laughing. Well, I, I've dabbled in stand-up, and I usually just do that as well. I'm like, here's the joke. This is the punchline. I pause. I even say I pause for laughter. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, laugh, please. Yes. And that is the end of that joke. I will be telling you a new joke. Yes. Anyways, yeah. 
Steve, how have you been? Actually, my store celebrated six years of being open, so that was fun and exciting. Uh, but other than that, it's been pretty quiet. How about you, Craig? I think I'm a superhero. Okay. How so? Well, the other day I was at the uh, grocery store, mm-hmm. just pushing my cart, minding my own business. Were you whistling? I was going, doing the Kirby Enthusiasm interstitial music. Sure. And this lady, who's, I want to say she was about uh, four feet, 13 inches. So 5'1". Maybe a little bit smaller. She just has this, like, distraught look on her face. And she's like, excuse me, sir. Like a pleading, like, remember that episode of The Simpsons when uh, Homer runs in to grab Grandpa's girlfriend from the retirement home? And it's mm-hmm. a different old lady. And she's like, can I come too? Oh, yeah. That, like, that whole distraught, like, look on that animated face was the same as this woman, too. Oh, so sad. I I felt so bad. Like, I I thought she was, like, going to say, like, excuse me, sir, I'm dying and I need a kidney. (laughs) And I was like, here, have mine. Just rip it out. Like, fucking uh, the guy from uh, Temple of Doom who rips out the heart. So I was going to do, like, Kalima, Kalima. Here's my kidney. But it was actually not as severe. And she's like, could you please hand me those two boxes? I think it was, like, rice aroni or something like that <laughs> but there was two boxes that were pushed all the way in the back of the top shelf you gotta face your products right and so whoever was working there i hope they got fired for that blunder mm-hmm. uh, they didn't face those products so i you know reach them and grab it i'm like here you go she's like oh thank you so much it's like yeah no problem and i'm like striding away like thinking like i cure cancer <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I, and i'm literally like i just did the most noblest of things i helped a human being <laughs> You <laughs> truly are America's greatest hero. <laughs> and it's so funny, like those little things. Like, I like to pride myself as, like, I'm a good person. I think I'm a good person. But in reality, like, when I'm out in public, I don't make eye contact. I, I'm scared of people talk to me. The invention of self checkout was the greatest invention in mankind, in my opinion. <laughs> I only get haircuts four times a year because I don't like doing the small talk with the, the barber. <laughs> I could not agree with more than everything you're saying to the point where I shave my own head. So I don't even have to go to the dent uh, to the uh, to the barber. I wish you would kept going with that. I didn't have to go to the dentist. I'm like, what dentist cut your hair? Wasn't that from like a TV show? Yeah, <laughs> like the dentist was also their barber. I feel like that was uh, it wasn't like a Seinfeld or a Friends thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Like their barbers also their dentist <laughs> and also their pediatrician. Because they have kids. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, but it's just like it's so funny about those, that little thing of feeling good about yourself. <laughs> and then also doing like, the bare minimum. A, a, a legit good human being would be just like, yeah, here you go. And not even think anything about it afterwards and bring it up on a stupid podcast. Uh, to, to your point, I am much like you in the same way. Uh, the other day I was getting on our train line, the Max, and I held the door open for somebody who was crossing the street. And he said, I respect you. <laughs> And I was smiling the rest of the day because (laughs) I held the door open for three seconds and the guy said, I respect you. And that's the best thing. Actually, that term respect, if someone says I respect you, that's kind of cool. Right. And I felt like, oh, man, this this guy thinks I'm cool. He respects me as a person. I'm Um, a man to him. (laughs) So, yeah, it's the little things, right? Yeah. But, yeah, so my week, uh, I'm just looking forward to dying from coronavirus or asteroid either way you'll get an award for all your good deeds i helped a human being that's right well steve let's get on with this week's episode indeed let's uh see where we're at with the episode that we're talking about this took place in january 11th of 2015 uh so the number one movie that we were talking about this week was taken three 
the third in the Taken series. And I think the last? Yeah. Did you ever uh, watch the Takens? Uh, no. I know that uh, Liam Neeson, he has a, a set of skills, and his daughter keeps on getting taken or something, and then he beats up people. That's about it. <laughs> and to get into that role... <laughs> what he thought of? I think I do, but why don't you tell me? Well, he thought... Nah, I don't want to talk about that. You guys looked up there. Um, Liam Neeson. Racist thoughts. Yeah. Not uh, good. I enjoyed the Taken movie, the first one, but you didn't need to have that movie sequelized. It's essentially the 2010s version of Death Wish with the Charles Bronson movies. Right. Which, of course, was then remade a few years ago with Bruce Willis. That's uh, right. But never saw that. Uh, I, I think I saw Taken 3, but they're not necessary. So, eh, screw you, Taken 3. Also, they should have done a cool thing with the E being the letter, th- or the number 3. Right? That would be way cooler. <laughs> yeah, that looks way cooler. All right. Well, Steve, I'll let you know that the number one song for that week, and this was, of course, Blank Space by a one Taylor Swift. We young and we're reckless. I'm a big Swifty, so I, I, I'm not ashamed to come out of the Taylor Swift I don't closet. Think you sh- I really don't think you should be. Like, you know, it, pop I, music is not my genre of choice, but I cannot deny that she makes really good pop songs that it, are just undeniably catchy. Highly recommend the Netflix documentary, Miss Americana, <laughs> because even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, it's just from her perspective, she realizes she's at this point as, as a human being and being so popular that she has a responsibility to, you know, especially about political stuff again we're not a political podcast but not a political podcast you know when she came out in politics a few years ago about choosing her side you know it's a big deal so yeah i respect the woman yeah let's talk about this week's episode bart's new friend it's um the 11th episode of the 26th season it was written in 1990 by one judd apatow heard of him yeah but didn't air until 2015 (sighs) they must have just like hit it under some blankets or something (laughs) yeah Um, it's a simple story Homer is hypnotized in the circus, and he thinks he's a young boy again and becomes Bart's best friend and accomplice. Ooh, that sounds like uh, a fun episode. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Judd Apatow episode. So, Steve, let's go ahead and uh, go ahead and take a break and come back and talk about it. Alrighty, let's do that. We'll be right back. And I'll write your name. Boys, only one love if it's torture. Don't say I didn't, say I didn't warn And we're back. Today we're talking about Bart's new friend, the 11th episode of the 26th season. It originally aired on January 11th, 2015. It is episode 563 in the show's run. Your nerd code is T-A-B-F-O-5. It was written by Judd Apatow. I don't know who that is. Uh, Directed by Chris Clements, and your showrunner is Al Jean. Uh, I think it's pronounced Alfred Jean. Oh, Alfred Jean. Okay. Uh, There we go. Judd Apatow... Uh, is married to Leslie Mann and not Leslie Bibb, because I think I said Leslie <laughs> Bibb last episode. 
They do look very similar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this was an episode that he had penned years prior, right? Before. Yeah, 1990, I believe. Wow. Yeah, it has kind of like a 90s Simpsons plot. Mm-hmm. So he's been around since the 80s. He worked with Gary Shandling. <laughs> a 40-Year-Old Virgin was his like you know first direct. I think that was his first one he directed. Of course, that was a huge hit. He wrote and directed that. You know, Knocked Up and yeah, Pineapple Funny Express. Funny people. Sure. Uh, produced a lot too, you know, the Anchorman's Year One. Yep, Drill Bit Taylor. Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. That's actually a really good that movie. That is actually a pretty good movie. Hey, he did the uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday in 2016, so that was kind of oh, yeah. fun for him. That was great. Uh, Television wise, he did the Ben Stiller show, which was really, really fun. It only lasted 13 episodes, but it was great. Mm-hmm. Probably the best is Larry Sanders. Uh, mm-hmm. Did uh, 21 episodes of The Critic. Oh, and then he got to his own way with some freaks and Gre- freaks and geeks and <laughs> <laughs> freaks and gleeks. Yeah, is the spinoff of uh, the Superpower Show, Super Friends. <laughs> uh, but yeah, freaks and geeks and undeclared, which were only one season shows, but damn, they're good. Both of them really good. And uh, yeah, currently, you know, producer. Well, I think Crashing's over with, isn't it? It is, okay. but he helped. He's helped a lot of people kind of get their own stuff on the air like pete holmes and crashing camille nanjiani and emily gordon got their movie made because of him i think mike birbigley's first movie was produced by him and so at this point he's been a really uh, instrumental in helping young and upcoming comedians kind of find their way to be on a screen or get their word out there yeah i know i'm not a really huge fan of like amy schumer but she he also helped her with a train wreck yeah there you go when I was in L.A. last, uh, I went to the now-defunct Meltdown show with Kumail and Jonah Ray. And Kumail couldn't make it because he's too busy doing whatever, probably working out. Um, but uh, Judd Apatow happened to be there and was in his place, and he co-hosted the show. It was really great. That's cool. Yeah. So also a pretty fun stand-up. Yeah. So our title gag is Homer and Bart dressed as Pie Man and Cupcake Boy flying across the sky. Hey, that's kind of fun, right? Yeah, it's kind of a kind nice of uh, intro. Sets up the, the episode in a way. It's a father-son type of deal. Yeah, real sweet. All right. You get a billboard gag here, Steve, with, you tried the best, now settle for Luigi's Pizza. Mm-hmm. That should be our slogan for the podcast. Yeah. You tried the best, now try Luigi's Pizza. <laughs> or this podcast. And then our chalkboard gag is, snowmen don't have carrot penises. Which is true, unless it is the 1997 horror movie, Jack Frost. Not to be confused with the 1997 family comedy, Jack Frost, with uh, Michael Keaton. Steve, I don't understand your reference. Well, in 1997, there was a straight-to-video-slash-HBO horror movie about this crazy snowman that killed people. And there's one scene where there's a woman taking a shower, and you get some brief nudity. Uh, But the snowman is stalking her. And the, his carrot nose retracts into his snow body, and it comes out of his snow pelvis to create a carrot penis. So she's in the shower, and he's in the shower? Yeah. Logically, wouldn't he just be melting away with all that hot water? Or just One would melting? think, but... That's not yeah. how it works? Oh. No. Also, okay, well, you know, it, it's weird that your nose could just become your penis. Did the same thing happen for Pinocchio? Maybe. I hope he wasn't into anal sex. <laughs> Are you just thinking of splinters, right? Yeah. All right. Well, as soon as I saw this couch gag, I thought of you. As you should have. Uh, so it is a retelling of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Three Bears. <laughs> I had the Three Bears. Uh, with Homer as Papa Bear, Marge as Mama Bear, and Bart as Baby Bear. And they arrive home to find that their porch has been eaten. Then two of the three couches have been crushed by Goldilocks. Lisa, who is sitting in Bart's love seat. The bears frighten the girl 
and a scuffle ensues. The re- this results in a fight, and Marge Bear, Baby Bart, and Gold Elisa brutally and just they go at Homer Bear and just chew him up and even share some of it with Santa's Little Helper and Snowball too. And then we uh, pan out to see that human Homer is reading the story to a worried-looking Maggie on the sofa. I love the animation. I love the gore. And you know how I feel about bears. Uh, it gets my thumbs up. All right, yeah. don't understand the reason why they just ate Homer, or why Homer was... Unless it's a metaphor for Homer himself, he's telling the story to Maggie of how he feels that he's being chewed up by his family, and they, he just doesn't <laughs> feel like he's being treated. Treated with respect that he deserves, right? Maybe. That's really sad if that's the case. I think that's how our story begins. But really, yeah. I think it start, begins with Homer singing a jaunty tune, heading to a retirement party for one Don Buchner. See if you remember Don. Yeah, he's the uh, safety inspector for Section 7G, right? Of course. We all know that. We're Simpsons fans. Yeah. Walking down the corridor, using both my feet, which I was in Florida. Now I will repeat. Oh, I'm walking down the corridor, using both my feet. Don Buchner. I can't believe you're retiring. Yep, it's time for the gold watch. Thank you. You're free to go. Good old Don. We sure will miss your... Your, um... Uh, what did you do again? Safety Inspector 7G. But wait a minute. That's my job. Yes, of course it is. There are two of us, and I've been covering for you all these years. That would explain a lot. But why did you do it? I felt there was something special in you. It's like rooting for the Cubs. You keep thinking they'll make it. And then you realize they never, ever will. Hey, Steve, this episode aired what year again? Uh, 2015. Yeah. We just had to wait another year, and the Cubs won the World Series. Wow. Did the Simpsons predict it? Well, no, they didn't. <laughs> That's right. I also like the sign that had the guy staring at a waste paper basket that was on fire, and he looked confused. <laughs> and it said, like, when in doubt, put it out. And uh, Homer, of course, singing that jaunty tune was fun. And, uh, yeah. The retiree giving the gold watch to uh, Mr. Burns. Right, right, which is the opposite of what's supposed to happen. I like that. Comedy, yeah. That's one funny people who wrote this. Um, it is interesting how, like, this is relevant to the plot, like, right away. Yeah, which isn't necessarily always true of uh, The Simpsons, especially in later days. So it's interesting. And the uh, Lenin-style poster of Monty Burns with the text that reads, Propaganda, Profit, War! Yeah, that was fun. Uh, as the Stacy Keish-voiced Bookner is already Fred Flintstone at the end of The Dinosaur's Tale, Homer is worried that there'll be nobody to cover his very big ass, and he is stressed. He comes home worried with an incredibly loose tie, Steve. Oh, no. Because he's going to have to do his actual job. God forbid. Oh, sweet. Uh, Marge, I got this weird new feeling in my stomach. A little sour and a little sick. There's a Yiddish word for it. Spilkus. They have a lot of funny words for not-so-funny things. It's funny, we watched, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, mm-hmm. there was an episode where Marge said uh, the Yiddish word or something like that, and she used the word spot. It was like, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. The next day, Homer's boning up on important safety inspector greeting, such as... Radiation, nature's drunken monster. Depressing data. Warning lights, not just pretty displays. The core, mistress of death. And hat styles of the 1990s. 
Very important. So Homer is interrupted as Lenny and Carl are going to attempt to sneak out of the men's room without setting off the automatic toilets. Sounds like a fun challenge. And Carl's all decked out in uh, black sweats and headband and a nice mug that says chillax. I think as a kid, my goal was always to overflow the urinal. <laughs> so would you just try and drink as much liquid as possible? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, is this possible? Can I overflow the urinal? Were you ever successful? I don't think so. I, yeah. Although I feel like I might have came close. I was at the theater once and I drank a shit ton of soda. And by the end of the movie, I think it was probably like a Marvel movie too. So like, I'm like sitting there holding my kidneys, like, <laughs> you know, probably damaging them because I got to watch those end credits. And I just remember going straight to the, the urinal and I think... I don't know how long I was just going at it. <laughs> like to the point where I was like, I'm embarrassed. I like these other people around me are going to think I'm a freak. <laughs> Cause I keep going and going like three people walk it in and walked out by the time I'm still going. <laughs> I don't think that they care. Yeah. But I want them to be like, man, that guy sure likes to pee. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's kind of impressive to pee for a long time. Well, Homer doesn't have time for these childish games. Or these childish uh, discussions. Conversations. Because if he doesn't do his job, the atoms go boom. So at the breakfast table, Homer is employing one of the bedrocks of parenting. The double standard by studying at the table. Because Lisa's like pissed off that she can't study. And uh, Marge feels that Homer should take a break. But Homer's concerned that, uh, well, maybe he should direct films like Angelina Jolie. So he asks Marge, how many properties do they have? And uh, unfortunately, March says none. And Homer freaks out. They don't have any options, Steve. Oh, no. I mean, how many options do you own? None. Oh, well, I own the rest of the uh, Judd Apatow film. Oh, nice. I mean, I own a Judd Apatow film. It's on a DVD. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because it does. Because the DVD does have options. There you go. <laughs> it, well, you know, widescreen or standard Audio Spanish or English. Yeah. Trailers, bloopers, practical jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, DVDs. I remember them. Uh, So, in bed, Homer's still working hard on his laptop, but Marge knows he needs to relax. She's got uh, the family tickets to the circus. Homer recalls a flashback of when he was a kid, going to the big top with his father, where he witnessed a man being trampled by an elephant in cotton candy, which is really gross, by the way, uh, that cost $10. Uh, Maybe Homer can even learn why anyone would think a stool is a proper defense against a lion. So, at the circus, Homer is unable to relax due to the poor Wi-Fi and the stacked parking. Steve, stacked parking, why is that a thing? I agree with Homer in this episode. Yeah, so I don't drive, and I've been to parking lots, but stacked parking is like when somebody parks in front of you and you can't get out unless they get out? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I yeah, think that... maybe like for events, that sort of thing, they do that because everyone's going to leave yeah. at the same time. But what if there's an emergency? What do you have to leave? I know, it just seems like a clusterfuck. Like, if there's like a, if I'm at a basketball game or something, I normally, if the game's a blowout, I like to leave at like the halfway point of the fourth quarter so I don't have to deal with traffic as much. And you wouldn't be able to do that. You'd have to wait. Right. And getting away from a game, like, outright as it ends, is a nightmare. Ow. Yeah, I'm with Homer on this. Right. Good job, Homer. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, back at the circus. By the way, did you catch there was like a background character that was wearing a shirt that just had goldfish on it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really weird. And the woman next to him has like dark sunglasses. Like... I think she might be stoned. Okay, that's fine. Because <laughs> I think you have to be stoned to go to a circus. Yeah, I've never been to a circus. I don't think I have either. I don't think I plan on... sad. Yeah. Anyways, well, the show begins and we see several clowns appear as if from out of nowhere and Homer storms off due to his frustrations. My God, what if all those clowns are parked in the same lot as us? Maybe there's better Wi-Fi in the freak tent. Excuse me, pardon me. I feel like, and maybe it's just me, but there's a joke that they missed there. 
when he's talking about all the clowns parked in the parking lot because they would only use one car because you know how clown cars are known for having a lot of clowns in one car. You know what I'm saying? No, I, well, but but there so, was there should have been a line like after that. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that, exactly. Like, like maybe Bart Park could be a smart should, ass yeah. thing. Like I don't know. And then he uh, strangles him. Maybe there is maybe there's a a network uh, clause that uh, Homer can only strangle Bart so many times in an episode. That makes sense. I mean, it is child abuse. You want to limit that. Probably don't want to do it at all, but if you're a parent, you should at least limit it. To one strangle an episode. Yeah. Uh, so as Homer attempts to leave, he's met by a clown with an old-timey phone that is ringing. Homer picks up the receiver, is blasted with water, and then just punches that clown straight to the <laughs> ground. I like that scene. I mean, we could all enjoy a good clown being punched, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, Homer tells his family it's time to go, and there's nothing of interest at the circus, and they walk back uh, several attractions referencing Jet Apatow productions, such as... Freaks and Geeks. Drill Bit Taylor. Funny People. Super Fat. And the 400-Year-Old Virgin. So then Homer then accidentally walks upon the world's longest fingernails, making them no longer the longest. Those are always gross to me. Ugh, they are terrible. I, that, I always like skipped over that part in the Guinness books. Yeah. And just just uh... give me those twins on the motorcycle. <laughs> and just give me a Guinness. Uh, Marge then goes to the porta potty to take a shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bart suggests that they at least see an act before they go, since, like we said, Marge is busy pooping. Yep. So Homer reluctantly goes with Bart and Lisa to the tent of Sven Gali the master hypnotist. Inside, we see that the mentalist has turned Cletus into a great mathematician. He needs a new volunteer, has found one in Mr. Homer J. Simpson. You know, Dad, studies show being hypnotized makes you more efficient. Mm, okay. Is that true? Meh, I just want to see him cluck like a chicken. <laughs> now, we've never met, have we, sir? Ooh, patter. Do you have any children? No, but we're having fun trying. <laughs> Wait, I mean three. When I snap my fingers, you shall be ten years old. Look, can we get to the point? I'm Stack Park. Did you hear me? Stack. You're ten years old. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. No, yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Look, I said you are. Yeah, and you are too. Only a ten-year-old boy could be this annoying! I'm not convinced. I know you are, but what am I? Infinity plus one! Jinx! Only the coolest kid ever could think of that. And our episode now begins with Homer thinking he's ten. Yes, I liked his joke about, do you have any children? Well, no, but we're trying. It's uh, such a dad joke. It is. But if he's trying, then he wouldn't be. Anyway, so have you ever been uh, hypnotized, Craig? Nope. Me neither. Uh, my mom tried it once. On you? No. Uh, she went and paid money ah. to uh, quit smoking. Yeah, I think my one of my grandparents or maybe both tried it and it was successful on one but not the other. It worked for like three weeks for my mom. But for those three weeks, she was not pleasant to be around. I bet. <laughs> So just then, the Springfield PD bust in to arrest Sven Gali, born Svenjamin Gali, <laughs> for mesmerizing the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to induct Kiss. Boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the crafty hypnotist shows Wiggum the stopwatch, which causes him to name members of the band the police, which is kind of funny, <laughs> and to strip naked Sven Gulli, I mean Sven Gali, makes a getaway. Oh. The kids give the news to Marge with... Her colon, recently emptied, is stunned by it, but maintains her composure. Knife swallower, the great Golpo, however, does his big take of weapons. That was fun. I like that. Yeah. My dad could swallow a sword. 
I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. <laughs> um, our second act begins at the place where Buddy Epson died, the Springfield General Hospital. Steve, there. Did you first read uh, Epstein? <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I was like, Epstein, what? I like how you see Buddy. And he just <laughs> my buddy Epstein. Yeah, you know Epstein. He's got that plane. Two thirds of presidential candidates. Um, not a political podcast. So they're at the general hospital, and uh, Doctor Hibbert is seeing how badly Homer has been affected. The good doctor, not the one on ABC, explains the sitcom-like hypnosis rules. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, gross! What did you give him? Beer. <gasps> this hypnotism is strong. Dinner theater strong. My husband can't really think he's ten. I'm saying he so desperately needs to believe he's ten that only the original hypnotist who did this can undo the trance without risking permanent damage to Homer's psyche. (laughs) (laughs) Dear God. Psych! Oops. So what do we do? Do not force the truth. For now, treat Homer just as you would a regular ten-year-old boy. Can he be nine so I can beat him up? Oh, I'm afraid not. The rules of hypnotism are inflexible. Then can we get pizza on the way home? Ask for boogers and Bart's half. <laughs> Good one. Booger pizza. You better pray they find that hypnotist, Marge. In that clip, I liked the animation of Homer kicking his feet like a kid would. Mm-hmm. And also the way that Dan kind of upped his voice a little bit. So he still sounds like Homer, but a little higher. Yeah. It's a nice more, little touch. More childlike. Yeah. Uh, so at dinner, Homer is jerkily pretending to throw the ball for Santos' e-helper until the dog gets pissed and uh, attacks him. The family decides that Homer will sleep in Bart's room. And as Marge references the time Homer caught up his thumb, as we talked about in our fourth episode, Trilogy of Air, uh, Homer's actual thumb falls off in a fun bit of animation. As night falls, Homer's snoring is keeping Bart awake. So Bart uh, busts out a air horn, but rather than blowing it, he hits Homer in the head with it. Homer, can't you sleep with Mom? I'd be too nervous. Have you noticed that she's kind of hot? Gross, weird, complicated. Go to sleep. So uh, Bart having an Oedipus complex here? Is that what we're saying? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> like gross, weird, complicated? Yeah. I can't blame him. A... I mean, Marge is pretty hot. Oh, very. What? What? Huh? Hmm? She's your mother, Steve. Ew, gross, weird, <laughs> complicated. So meanwhile, Marge is in bed by herself, missing her mm-hmm. homie. Uh-huh. So what's she going to do? Well, I think I know what she's going to do, Steve. Me too. She, she uh, opens her nightstand drawer. Yeah. Pulls out a very large box. Oh, yeah. There, she opens it up. <laughs> Wait, uh-huh. am I getting, like, ASMR over here? <laughs> <laughs> She opens up. I'm her... getting ASM hard over here. <laughs> she opens up her large box. There she finds the thing that will bring her to joy, which I'm assuming most women would want. Some guys too. That's right. In fact, uh, I'm sorry I had to genderify that. Uh, many people would find joy in this thing in her large box. Yeah, and that is to help her sleep at night, of course, of to course. relax those muscles. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Leave that tension. That's right. Make She's something got... that gets her all warm. Ooh, yeah. Guys, you guys already watched the episode. I don't know where we keep going. That's right. It's two needles and a ball of yarn. Yeah, she's going to knit. There's going to be lots of mittens this winter. Oh, yeah. That might be my favorite uh, visual gag of the episode, aside from all the Homer punching people. Uh, yeah, Homer punching's great. And, uh, of course, you know, sexual innuendos are always funny. Uh, so the next morning we see Bart, and he's tired. If he's going to get through this day, he's going to need to Irish up his cough, by <laughs> which I mean... Pour some uh, Celtic charms, or Celtic charms, Celtic charms. I like Celtic. 
Celtic charms into his mug. In comes an excited Homer, dressed just like Bart, ready for school. At first, Marge resists him going to school, but Homer's excitement about making s'mores on a sick day allows him to go to school. Does Homer just have Bart clothes his size lying around? I wondered that. <laughs> or, uh... or is he just stretching out some of Bart's clothes? <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's like the Incredible Hulk. Like, everything stretches off the Incredible Hulk when he gets in, when Bruce Banner mm-hmm. gets to be the Hulk, and then his purple pants still remain. Yeah. That has nothing to do it's with pretty, anything. Yeah, but I get it. <laughs> All right, but do, do they over there? I, I think they do, but okay. not that guy. Uh, I guess the worst. I know. All right, so uh, at school on the playground, Bart and his chums are playing Tunnel Tag, a game where if you're tagged, you have to spread your legs and freeze. <laughs> Which uh, that seems kind of problematic in these times. Yeah. And then we see Millhouse is wearing culottes, but he didn't think it through to wear the uh, matching frilly socks. Yeah. Uh, as the children play, they come upon a gigantic man child, Homer, who also wants in on the game. Kids are stunned, but thanks to Nelson's open mindedness of allowing Millhouse to play, anyone can play. This is all seen by Principal Skinner and Super Nintendo Chalmers, who have a nice little fun exchange. Is that a grown man going between the children's legs? Well, there's nothing in the rule book against it. It's on page one of the rule book. <laughs> That's where I doodle. It's a comic strip I do called Bumble and Grumble. Grumble likes to yell, but deep down he loves Bumble like a son. No, he doesn't. I'm beat. Later that night, Homer reflects on the fun day he had with his new friend, Bart. The boy asks his father what he wants to do when he grows up. Homer replies that he'd eat messy food, like leftover lasagna. Hmm. She didn't, hmm. <laughs> I mean, no, by the way, this is regarding last, or. Yeah. Yeah, last, last week's episode. And coincidentally enough, the next day, Laura made lasagna. Yeah. We had lasagna leftover for lunch the next day and the day after. So it's definitely a thing. Excellent. Yeah, not really fun, just a thing that happened. Uh, but yeah, Homer wants to eat lasagna in bed and watch the TV real loud. Uh, Bart then digs a little deeper. Would you ever want to have a real job and a family? <laughs> Wife, three kids, steady job. If I did, I'd secretly be very sad. You could tell by how much I would eat and drink and just sit on the couch. <gasps> yeah, thank God that never happened. Wow. He doesn't want to be my dad. He just wants to be a kid like me. Almost makes me not want to prank him. Almost. So Bart then stuffs two pencils in the nose of Homer and a tennis ball in his mouth, causing him to suffocate. Homer shoots the uh, writing implements <laughs> into the head of Bart and then just knocks him one good I just, like he was a clown. <laughs> I just watched that scene again. That's so hilarious. The joke of Homer always, you know, strangling. It's like, okay, we get it. <laughs> but he just, like, knocks him right in the face. That's probably an animated gift somewhere, right? It's got to be. Is this the first time Homer actually just punches Bart in the face? I think it might be. Do you think they got away with it by saying, well, it's not really Homer adult, it's 10-year-old Homer? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, anyway, so our final act begins here with uh, Dolph, Kearney, and Jimbo going on a wedgie spree, but when they try to get to Bart's pants, ooh, sexy, he threatens that his friend will beat them up, and the bullies pity Bart and his messed up father and walk away, but Bart thinks Homer is the coolest kid ever. And Millhouse is briefly on the top 100. At least he made the list. We then get this really sweet montage of Homer and Bart playing in the pool. I don't know what that game is called, but where you're on somebody's shoulders, you know? Yeah, because it's not Marco Polo. No, that's so. what I was going to call it, but I know it's not that. But anyway, so they're doing that. They're wrestling in the sand and graffito tagging uh, a wall with 
Bart's classic El Barto and Homo 2. And then we get some more comics with uh, Grumble and Mumble. They they have a back and forth where Chalmers crumples up the comic and Skinner draws it. Why do you crumple up a comic? <laughs> and then uh, Chalmers draws a gun and him shooting... <laughs> cartoon it's pretty Skinner. Funny. kid homer zen uh told to spend some time with his daughter and sister lisa yeah lisa your mom says i should do something with you need some help with your homework i'm done want to see me make a muscle mm, not right now well that's everything i know that girls like listen homer i just want to take advantage of this opportunity to have you enjoy my saxophone with me okay with Lisa on the sax and Homer vocalizing into a candle, the two perform a concert for an audience of stuffed animals, which, of course, is Baker Street, which uh, seems to be Lisa's go-to tune. It's not even that jazzy. No, but nice callback. Well, we then get uh, Lenny and Carl walking by the Simpsons' house, and we learn from them that uh, the previously retired safety inspector is back to work. The next day, Homer and Bart are fishing, and Homer feels some kinship for this boy named Bart. Hmm. You know, you're the closest thing I've ever had to a brother. Me too. And you know what? I'm afraid you might change back. Change back to what? <sighs> Look in the lake. Tell me what you see. Bloated corpse under the water. I say he's been there a few months at least. Interesting the way his lips move just like mine. Why do you ask? Oh, no reason, brother. That's a cute little scene. Fishing Bart and a Homer. Yeah, I like Bart's little fishing outfit of the coveralls and the straw hat. Yeah, he's worn that previously. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's Bart's lucky red hat that Homer's wearing. Maybe Bart felt bad and uh, let him borrow it. Yeah, most 10-year-olds aren't bald. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Homer then has an epic super super fight while Marge gets a call from uh, Chief Wiggum, informing her that Svengali has been caught using a specially dedicated anti-hypnosis squad of blindfolded police officers. So the cops are coming to fix Homer, but Bart doesn't want to lose his friend, so he goes to his sister, not Maggie, no. but Lisa, for some help. Lisa, you know how Dad thinks he's a 10-year-old? I've been emotionally dealing with that all week, so yes. Well, now that hypnotist is going to come back and snap him out of it. Look, Dad had to get cured sometime. There's nothing we can do about it. Or isn't there not? How about that Bart line, or isn't there not? Yeah, I love a double negative, or I don't not love a double negative. Uh, the cops then arrive with the mental performer at 742 Evergreen Terrace to untangle Homer's no- uh, noggin. Uh, before they go to Homer, Svengali turns Wiggum into a kangaroo, and after he hops up the stairs, we see that uh, Maggie's in his little pouch, which is just his pants. It's a nice little touch. Um, in Bart's room, uh, Marge, the cops, and the hypnotist find that Bart and Homer have escaped out the window. After Svengali admits that he's good, but not good enough to make Wiggum a good cop, uh, we see that the boys have run off to Itchy the Stretchy Land, so Homer can be a kid a little bit longer. So we take a ride on the Soarin' Over Springfield, a 4D ride, height, width, depth, and spray. And we see the uh, silhouette of the boys, along with Bernice Hibbert, Mm -hmm. Seymour Skinner, and I think the robots from MST3K, Tom Servo and Crow T Robot. Yes, that was a nice little thing. I love that show. Yeah, me too. But uh, Futurama did it first. That's true. But The Simpsons predicted it coming back. There you go. We could say. I don't know. Well, they explore the depths of a polluted Springfield Gorge. They soar past a uh, tire fire, fly over the Krusty Loose Studios, where the clown of said name Krusty takes some credit for all the uh, animation. And they are nearly shot down by Cletus. 
Now you see Willie announcing he's quitting Springfield Elementary via ground fire. And like we said before, Bubaroa, uh, sunbathing topless. Don't want any tan lines. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because she's supposed to be like Elvira, right? Like <laughs> Right, all pale. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we get a scenic shot of a Golden Gate-like bridge that is yet to be finished, causing lots of cars to fall into the water. And then finally landing back to itchy and scratchy land. Mm-hmm. So you Homer's ever been excited. on that, uh, California adventure? Oh, no. I, Steve, I haven't been to Disneyland since I was five. So, uh, yeah, Homer uh, is excited for what's next. But the two are stopped by Chief Wiggum. Homer Simpson, uh, your second childhood is over. You're going back to taking statins and paying FICA. No! You can't take him now. We've only been on two rides. Now you should have used FastPass. FastPass can't solve everything. Yeah, spoken like a kid who's never lived in a non-FastPass world. Homer, come here. Bye, Bart. Stay ten forever. Goodbye, friend. Before you fix him, can you change one little thing? I'm embarrassed to ask this, but after we snuggle, he always rolls over and goes to sleep. And I'd rather just... That's the only thing you want changed. Everything else about him is perfect. Yes. Ugh, where were you when I was straight? All right, let's do this. Cuddle your wife. Hey, can I backtrack real quick? Sure. All right. You know, when you were talking about the silhouettes, we saw Bernice and Homer and Bart. So that wasn't Skinner. That was Mike. I'm thinking that was either Mike or Joel from MST3K. Then looking back, I was going to correct myself, but I thought I just sound smart and not. But yeah, I wasn't sure about that. It would make sense for that to be. Because they're I guess the, grouped the together hair, three. Yeah. The hair just kind of looked like Skinner. So I thought maybe. But yeah, that makes a lot more sense. All right. Well, we'll allow this. Well, thank you. I, I, I make uh, mistakes sometimes. I'm not smart. Not bad. Well, you should be. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, after Svengali uh, whispers to Homer to cuddle his wife and then shakes his head wildly, Homer is right back to where he was before, complaining about snack parking, which we all agree is stupid. Uh, he then realizes he's uh, no longer at the circus. In fact, he's in the place furthest away from the circus, an amusement park. Marge tries to explain what happened, but Homer thinks he's just he just got drunk at Moe's and apologizes to his wife. Uh, we then cut to Homer coming home after a long day's work. He's defeated. But he hears the itching, scratchy theme song in Bart's room. What's the lasagna in bed? Recommended by a kid I used to know. You know, I used to have this friend. I told him all my dreams. Really, really great kid. You think so? The best. Wonder what ever happened to him. Well, maybe you sat on him and he was never seen again. Are you little? Hmm. You know, boy, not sure I can strangle you anymore. I'm going to try something new. What do you say, boy? Want to split the lasagna? Get lost. Well, you little... So there's some sweet scenes right there. Yeah. You know, uh, I like the little, instead of strangling, he gives him a hug. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah. And after Homer hugs, squeezes his son, we see him embrace his wife in a post-coital kiss. Though at first he wants to roll over and fall asleep, he suddenly gets the urge to cuddle with Marge. They cuddle underneath a newly knitted blanket. We get one last scene with Sven Gully and Wiggum in an underground lair playing some chess, just like uh, Charles Xavier and Eric Lyncher, a.k.a. Professor <laughs> X and Magneto in the X-Men movies. Check and mate. 
Uh, once again, you're too smart for me, my friend. That's why I'm the master hypnotist and you're the bumbling police chief. Exactly so, Sven Golly. Exactly so. Gemma? Yes, I, I might be a little late. <laughs> Chief Wiggum, what a dope. <laughs> Loki! So yeah, I don't understand like Loki appearing. I was I... hoping you'd explain that to me. <laughs> okay, like I said before we played the clip, that's a parody of X-Men at the end when Xavier goes to see Magneto. He's in that glass yep. playing chess. I got all that. Great. Yeah. But then Loki shows up. I know like X-Men and the Avengers are technically the same universe as you know Marvel, but those mm-hmm. movies aren't in the same universe. I, I don't get it. Me neither. Was this another reference to Boys Town that we didn't get? Maybe. We should really see Boys Town. <laughs> Evidently, Loki's in it. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of the episode. Why don't we take a little break, and then we'll uh, talk some more about it. Okay. We'll be right back. And that's that. Another story in the classic, infallible three-act structure. Hi, I'm Laura Lutz, co-host of the Glow and Tell podcast. And I'm Steve Lutz, co-host of the 138th Simpsons podcast. We're married and we both like to eat. And And we we have have a podcast. podcast. On our show, we'll discuss the food we love, the meals we make. And drinks to go with it. So if you enjoy cooking, eating, or anything to do with food, check out our podcast, Let's Eat. Each week, we'll talk about a dish we made, what pairs with it, and all of our thoughts about food in general. Find our show wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find us on social media at Let's Eat Podcast. And you can email us at letseatpod at gmail.com. Let's, Let's eat! eat! And we're back, Craig. Let's talk about our favorite t-shirt tattoos, our favorite quotes, our MVJ, and uh, our thoughts. Quickly before we do that, right when we left off, we were talking about the whole X-Men chess scene at the end with Wiggum and Svengali, mm-hmm. and then Loki shows up. Right. And we discussed during the break that you'd mentioned, like, was that part of an Avengers thing? And I did recall that Loki was in a prison in Thor The Dark World, the second Thor movie. All righty. And Thor had to break him out. So I wonder if that's a reference, like why he was in prison. That makes sense. Yeah, I suppose you're, I, you're, you're probably right there. All right. And uh, also, <laughs> discussing on break, we didn't have to take a break from this break talking, <laughs> but um, the I watched it on Disney Plus and they omitted a scene. I guess we could say this before trivia, but there was a scene that when it originally aired, there was Maggie holding up a uh, black flag marked Jesus Charlie, mm-hmm. which is French for I am Charlie, in a hazy striped red and white blue background. And this was a tribute to several people who were murdered in a terrorist attack at the French parody magazine charlie hebdo on january 7th 2015 so this uh tribute is in support of the right to freedom of speech which very important <laughs> i guess uh we'll just go down with our usual banter sounds good what other tribute do we have uh so craig the name Spengali uh, originally comes from the 1895 book by george du entitled trilby which might also be the name of the hat in which uh Spengali controls and manipulates a young girl and makes her a famous singer oh so has this been adapted into film Possibly, <laughs> possibly. I mean, isn't that the yeah. plot of Thor: The Dark World, or that movie with Lady Gaga and Chris Evans and uh, that dude <laughs> that you keep on making with Chris? Oh, Star yeah. Board. Yeah, oh. isn't he manipulative and makes her a famous singer? Yeah, you're right. That's exactly <laughs> right. I don't know if that's actually true. Sure, it is. Okay, well, we already kind of talked about a lot of the trivia. We, of course, corrected ourselves. I'm looking at IMDb here. I'm like, oh. 
we should have just read this yeah. <laughs> and not have to think about things. Guys, we don't like to do research on this podcast. Nope. <laughs> uh, but there are a lot of uh, references to Judd Apatow Productions. And I think the most important or the most interesting trivia is the fact that he wrote this 25 years before this was premiered in 1990 <laughs> as a spec script. And he also wrote a spec script for the Chris Elliott show, Get a Life. And they hmm. called him in for a meeting for Get a Life. He didn't get either jobs. Uh, but it just goes to show you, if you're an artist and you want to do something, keep at it, and 25 years later, you might get a chance. 25 or 6 to 4? Uh, studios aren't really asking for spec scripts anymore, from what I hear from the insiders. Yeah, but, you know, I think that, you know, if you write one and it's good enough, maybe there's a chance that somebody will uh, get it out there. I still have my spec script for a Night Court. I don't know if anyone <laughs> wants it. The one where Dan and Bull get stuck in an elevator? Actually, I, I, I changed it. It was uh, Ross and Selma. They never crossed paths. I don't they? think so. <laughs> I think uh, Selma kept on dying and they had to replace her. So they were like, <laughs> we should stop getting these cancerous old women. <laughs> so I forget the names of them, but they have first like one like old smoking woman and they're like all right well she died of cancer let's hire another one no wait there wasn't there like one that was like a sweet old like grandma yeah type? and i think she had like big glasses or something yeah then, but i think she died of cancer yeah i'm not laughing at cancer i'm laughing at the casting of night right Court. so and they're like so they finally ended with marsha wallace like okay marsha warfield you know like they end up with marsha warfield like okay so here's an african-american woman in her 30s i think we're yep. good i don't think she's got like cancer in her 60s and smokes <laughs> a ton yeah that's that's kind of funny night court why are we i don't know we're on this tangent here but a lot of cast changes yeah when really like the only well harry dan bull i don't think mac was in the first mac season. wasn't in the first season and wasn't there a season without the blonde lady i can't i'm blanking on her name Marky yeah. Post. Well, yeah, there was, there was like three or four different women before Marky right. Post. So I think it's I think the only three people that were from the beginning to end were, were Harry Anderson, uh, John Larroquette, and Richard mm-hmm. Mole. That's interesting. And I'm even like doubting that. Like, was even Bull in every episode? It's possible. Or in season one? I think, I think he was. So. Yeah. What a weird cast mm-hmm. turnaround. Man, I want to go back and watch. The yeah, night me court. too. See, let's quit this podcast and do a nightcast <laughs> or courtcast. You know, if we did, if it was called courtcast and we talked about these cases, if they were real, <laughs> we'd probably get a huge audience because I think we were talking about like two true yeah. crime and things like that. So we would just take every episode of Night Court, watch it <laughs> to the hahas, but every criminal case that appears in front of Harry T. Stone, we'll talk about the criminal case only in the podcast. You killed 40 people and raped dead dogs everywhere. $50, time served. <laughs> so, uh, Steve doesn't have enough podcasts on his plate. He'll get another yep, one. With special guest star Mel Torme. Ooh, Steve, he's oh. dead. Special guest star Selma. Uh, dead. Uh, special guest star Harry T. Anderson. Uh... <sighs> At least his dad's alive. I mean, the actor who played his yeah. dad, Sean Astin. Mm-hmm. Or John Astin. <laughs> hey, it's John Astin's birthday today. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. I think he listens to this sure he does. All right. All right. We're sidetracking here. Let's get on with uh, this episode. Steve, we're talking about what? <laughs> today we're talking about Homer's new friend. All right. Well, how about uh, quotes, Steve? Oh, righty. Quotes. Um, there are a lot of good lines in this. Um, nothing that I really balked at. Like, the, my biggest criticism was that they didn't have, that they could have made a joke with the clown car thing, but it's a very minor point. Yeah. But as for as my favorite quotes, um, I really like the Skinner and Chalmers whole back and forth. Like, there's nothing in the rule book about going through a kid's legs. And it's literally on the first page of the uh, rule book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know about my favorite quote, though. I think mine is the Homer in bed with Bart. 
And Homer's <laughs> like, you see how hot she is? And then just Bargo, gross, weird, complicated. Yeah. Also, I enjoyed that. I, it's not exactly a quote, but the uh, the whole gag about the, the knitting needles <laughs> oh, yeah, is yeah. really good. Sexual innuendo, Steve. Always funny. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. going to be my favorite there, quote unquote. It's quote. weird because watching this episode, and we do this when we're watching the episodes, that we're always trying to like analyze it to find like, Ooh, that's a good quote. Let's write this down. Or this is a good image for a shirt or a tattoo. And then watching this episode a couple of times, I'm like, well, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if there was anything that's a favorite or quote. And that's not saying like a negative thing about this episode. Mm-hmm. It was a, uh, I'll get to it in my review, but uh, we didn't talk about like a shirt tattoo. Yeah, I think mine might be kind of. Can I start? Can I sure. interrupt? I think I know what you want as a shirt tattoo. I thing. think you're right. It's going to be the Simpsons as the Goldilocks Bears. Oh, that's a okay. okay. That's very close. Okay. That was my close second. All right, all right. So here's what the other one is. You want the drawing of Chalmers shooting Skinner? Yep, that's what I want. Too. Yeah. Um. Actually, that'd be a really funny shirt. I don't know why. It just makes me laugh so much. Yeah, definitely. So that was mine too. Okay. Alrighty. Um, we uh, for review. I'm just gonna. Say, I'll, I'll keep it simple, stupid. Okay. Like kiss. Ugh, I can't believe the Sven allowed kiss into the Rock and Roll Hall of mm. Fame. Even Pat Benatar isn't in there yet. Uh, there's a lot of people. Like I don't think Rush is in there. That's weird. Um, yeah, it is weird. Did the Doobie Brothers finally make it? I don't know. Maybe this year. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think it was this year. Like, Billy Eilish isn't in it yet? What? Well, come on. <laughs> what a bunch of bad guys. You know, what's funny about this episode, watching it in today's lenses, mm-hmm. with a, Judd, a 25-year-old Judd Apatow writing this episode in the 1990. So, Simpsons had already been on for, well, the way he wrote it, probably only on for a year. Right. So, he's in the mindset of, you said 1990. Like, that's the fact. 1990, yeah. right? So, it's, like, been on half a season, basically. But he might have wrote it while season two was airing. I I would love to read the original script. Yeah. You know, they had to update it. And I don't know if he was involved in like the updating of the script. Because the whole circus thing, right? Like that's such like, I went to the circus when I was a kid in the 60s. Right. You know, like no one goes to the circus anymore. They don't even know they they exist. And the hypnosis with the rules is so much like the classic uh, amnesia trope where the exact same thing has to happen again. So it's a very standard sitcom I'm sure Night Court did this, mm-hmm. where someone gets hypnotized. It's such a classic trope. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure there, you know, the script obviously did some changes here and there. And you talked about last week how this could have been like the spiritual sequel to Homer, mm-hmm. where Homer had the crayon stuck up in his brain, which is very much the same sim- similar story, where then he becomes smart and he pals around with Lisa. That episode for me is one of the top 20 episodes yeah and this episode while it's very charming and the end where homer hugs bart is great we talked about the quotes too like there's there's some fun things in there Uh, yeah visually homer punching a lot of (laughs) like clowns and bart in the past like month of episodes we've been reviewing we've been kind of just meh on everything i feel like this one's a little bit better Uh but i still even with like the praise on the internet of like this is great i just feel like a lot of people are like just sucking judd apatow's dick at this moment uh (laughs) I'm not saying I hate this episode, but again, it's ah, all right. <laughs> I wasn't blown away. I think you know the reason why hmm. is because the Judd Apatow hype. You think so he might be Judd a Apatow overrated? No, I don't say he's overrated at all. I think when you're watching this episode, you're thinking, "Is Judd Apatow? It's gonna be so good! Oh, I can't wait!" It's kind of the same way of like J.J. Abrams is doing Star Wars. It's gonna be so good, and you're just like, ah, he's just J.J. Uh, Abrams is just doing what George Lucas did. Mm-hmm. And with this episode, it's like 
Judd Apatow was just doing what all great Simpsons writers have done. All right, so Judd Apatow was 25 <laughs> when he wrote this episode. Um, I'll give this episode a... I'll give it an 18. It's of legal age. Already. If it's on, I'd watch it. There we go. Okay. It's cromulent. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, Craig, we've talked a lot about the praises of Judd Apatow. I'm going to say this. I am a fan of his. I don't love his movies, but I like his craftsmanship. I don't know if you're familiar with the Masterclass thing, but I had that for about a year. And I watched his hmm. masterclass about uh, writing and directing. And that was interesting. I've read his books. Uh, so I know him. And I understand. Biblically. <laughs> and I did fuck him, yeah. But I do understand how we would automatically assume this to be a good episode. Just because his name was behind it. Mm-hmm. It's probably just the outline of the Homer getting hypnotized in May 10 that Judd wrote. And then the mo- more modern writers wrote the jokes. Like, I'm guessing when he was 25, he probably didn't write the dildo joke. That being said... It felt maybe not even like a classic Simpsons episode, but it felt like a classic uh, sitcom. Very one note, very like thematically, like this is a solid three act structure, um, very direct. And I don't hate that. Um, When we were talking about Working Mom uh, last week, we liked the episode, it's fine, but the fact that the two plots were so disparate and not related in any way felt weird. Yeah. And. The fact that this only has one plot is also kind of weird in this day and age, but I like it. It feels kind of old-timey. And so this episode feels like a throwback to a bygone era. And I don't want it every week, but for a nice change of pace, I think it does well. Um, There are sweet emotions, not Aerosmith, but just... Just like the Bart thing, like it's it's cute the way that they interact with each other. And uh, I don't know, there aren't a lot of like takeaway jokes. Like I'm not going to start complaining about stacked parking tomorrow and think, oh yeah, The Simpsons. But I had a fun time watching this episode and I enjoyed it and I didn't really have any problems with it. So I think that it, I, I view it fairly positively. I'll say that Homer turned 10 years old. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Wow, that's a high score. That's a B. Yeah, I would recommend it. And, you know, uh, if we're on TV, I'd certainly watch it. I think it was fun. Maybe not the best episode ever, but I have no issue with it. And so, yeah, it's it's a maybe a high 7, low 8. Yeah, I think it is the best that we've watched in this last month. Mm-hmm. Saying that it's like a classic sitcom thing. I, I guess that's what I was trying to get to. And, uh... Maybe that's why I brought up Night Court. Yeah. <laughs> it's very much like a Night Court. Um, all right. Well, that's our review for this week's episode of The Simpsons. I think it's time now we find out what we're watching next week. All righty. We should bust out that Wheel of Random. Sounds good. All righty. Here it is. And we'll spin it for the season. Doo doop. Don't, 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 don't. Season eight. Season 18. And now we shall spin it for the episode. Episode 22. Season 18, episode 22. It is, you can't always say what you want. After Kent Brockman is fired... As a news anchor, he and Lisa used the internet to expose the Fox News conspiracy. Steve, didn't we do this episode That's what I was already? just about to ask you. I don't think we have. <laughs> nope, but it sounds like we did. So what was the episode we did with Brockman? That was uh, Trust But Clarify, our 34th oh. episode. Oh, you never forget your 34th, but apparently you do yeah. now. Um, all right, well, we got another Kent Brockman episode coming up. Mm-hmm. Steve, do you remember this episode? It was... Uh, 2007 sure uh yeah uh, no i don't all right well 
Guess we're in for that. It's the 400th episode of the series. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So we're in a milestone yeah. here. Cool. Anyways, you can go to tpublic.com slash user slash Boys for some fun merch. You can also contact us on social medias at 13Simpsons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always email us at 13Simpsons at gmail.com. And uh, tell a friend. And please, if you have the ability, go to your favorite podcatching app, give us five stars, and write a review. But you don't even have to write a review. Just write your favorite Simpsons quote. Why, it could be... Fingers. I don't know why they call them fingers. They don't thing. There they go. And there you go. That's right. And here I go. For this week, I've been half annoyed grunt boy. And I've been half an annoyed grunt boy, Steve. And remember, keep watching the skis. Stack parking is dumb. Well, that's everything I know that girls like.